Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. In the first two weeks uh, in which we took a look at this series, we saw how that we need to work together with God. If we are going to uh, have synergy, if we're going to accomplish anything, we need to do it with the Lord. It can't be just me, and it can't be just you, it can't be just us. If we're going to see spiritual eternal fruit, it must come from the Lord. And so we must make sure that in every ministry and in every opportunity that we take to serve the Lord, it must be done with the Lord. And so when we go out soul winning, we must be conscious of the Lord being with us, the Lord also working. When we teach a class, when I preach a message, it must not just be my words, it must be the Holy Spirit using the scriptures to work in the hearts of people. And when we go out and do whatever ministry, kids ministry, greeting ministry, all of these things, if we're going to make an eternal impact, it must be done with the Lord. We took a look also last week, or two weeks ago, really, the last time we were in this series, about the diversity that is needed for synergy, right? One of the ideas of synergy is that you bring different kinds of people working together to accomplish something, right? And God uses the illustration of the church being a body. Your body has a lot of different parts, a lot of different members. Each of them serves in different ways, has different strengths, has different weaknesses, has different places where they could serve and other places where they might feel like, you know what, uh, there's not a whole lot I can do here. But the idea is that the church is much better because of the differences that we have, right? Some of you are great leaders and some of you are great servants. Some of you just have that mind to just exhort and encourage people. Some of you just have a heart of mercy and just want to extend mercy to people. And we have all sorts of different people with different gifts, different backgrounds, different upbringings. And, and uh, all of those things can be used for us to be more effective. But the word today that we're going to take a look at is the word together, working together together because if we are not careful our differences instead of being advantages become divisive and so for us to be able to work together we've got to have something in common right if we're going to work together there needs to be something that's the same that's common between you and me if we are going to work together the first and obvious thing that we sometimes take for granted, but we shouldn't, is that we need to have the same Heavenly Father. We need to be part of the same spiritual family. You must be born again. If we are going to work together and accomplish things for the Lord by the power of the Lord, then we must be part of the same family. We also must be spiritual. One that is carnal, giving into their flesh, will have a hard time working to, with somebody who is submitting himself to the Spirit and doing something totally different. And so uh, we need to have, of course, those basics in mind. But I think just uh, seeing how Paul describes some of these that worked together and how they work together, how Paul described them, and what they had in common, I think will help us in building synergy and working together more effectively. So the first of which is the same mindset. If we are going to work together, we need to have the same mindset. So in the verses that we read, we read about Stephanus, we read about his household, and the Bible says that the household of Stephanus, his family, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
They addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word that we might use, that's uh, often used for this word, is the word choose or appoint, right? In the Bible, whenever this word was used, it would be used in different places, like uh, uh, when Jesus was crucified and he died and he rose again, he appointed a place where his disciples were to be and he would meet them there. That's the same word for uh, Stephanus, addicted himself. He appointed a place where they were going to meet. In Acts chapter number 15, when there was a dispute within the church, they decided to send a few delegates and send them down to the church at Jerusalem, and they determined that Paul and Barnabas and a few others would go. It's the same word that is used there. It's the word appoint. Uh, we might use the word appointment. If you have an appointment, right, there's a certain time or a certain place there's a certain person you're supposed to meet. And, uh, you know, in, in, in government, there are people that are appointed to certain offices or positions. And so usually when we think about, you know, having an appointment, somebody decides, you know, I want you to fill this position. I want you to be here at this time. But the way that the Bible uses this word is a little bit different because Stephanus didn't appoint somebody and Paul didn't appoint Stephanus. What you'll notice is that the Bible says that the household of Stephanus, that they have addicted themselves, or we might use the word, they appointed themselves to the ministry of the saints. You know, the idea here is that they decided that they were just going to be like, you know what? I'm going to be a servant. I choose myself to go out and to serve. And they volunteered themselves. They were looking for ways to get involved. I think when I think about the ministry mindset, it's about people who have a desire and look for ways to get involved. That's their heart. That's their desire. And if we are going to work together, we need people who will appoint themselves to ministry because we are not going to be a church where we are dragging people into ministry, right? That's not how ministry will be done, amen, right? That's not, if we want to have synergy together, I can't be dragging people into the ministry and expect for all of us to have synergy together, right? Because if you got dragged into it, you're going to be reluctant. You're going to look for ways to kind of cut corners. You're going to think about how, okay, how, what, what's a good excuse for me not, not to have to do this thing? And if we're going to have synergy, if we're going to build synergy, there's no way that we can have this heart and attitude of, come on, let's drag people into ministry. That will not work. You can't have synergy if you're being pressured into it. And I would much rather be a part of people, a, a part of a church where people appoint themselves to the ministry. A, a, a group of people that just says, I want to be here and I want to be involved and I want to do something and I want to be a part of something. People who say, I don't want to just come and sit down and leave. I want to get involved. I don't want to sit here and do nothing. I want to do something. I want to be a part of something. I want to be involved. I want to be a participant. I don't want to see everybody else get to do something. I want to do something. And that's the heart and the mindset of synergy. Because wouldn't you rather serve with people who want to be there? Right? Doesn't that just make sense? That if you're going to serve and you're there volunteering and somebody else is also there, wouldn't you 
rather be with somebody who wants to be there and wants to do something and wants to help. That's how Stephanus and his family were. They were looking for ways to get involved. They were finding excuses not to get away, but to show up. <laughs> they were looking for excuses to do something and to just come early and to stay late. and Maybe something will happen and I'll have a chance. And, and uh, they, they want to get involved. And I know that you know, there are times when you need to have a conversation with a brother or sister, you know, just kind of encourage them. You know that maybe they're not excited about it, but there is a time and place for us to encourage people who are maybe not so excited about ministry. They're a little bit more mature. You know, I got two little kids and, and with my kids, I know that there are times when they don't want to do certain things, but they need to do them. And so sometimes I encourage them as a parent, sometimes I make them, <laughs> you know, I make them do those things. But here in the church, maybe we can't do that. And there is a time when maybe a more mature Christian might talk to a more immature Christian and just kind of say, come alongside of them and say, hey, you know what? We're serving the Lord. Hey, why don't we get involved? This will be good for you. And we, we ought to see, uh, you know, what, what we could do for the Lord. There is a time and place for that. But if we're really going to build synergy then we have to have that heart of, I'm looking for ways to get involved. If you are familiar with Titus in the Bible, uh, there's a book in the Bible named Titus. He was a, a, a companion of Paul's. He, he would help him in the ministry. He would go to different places. Paul would ask him to go do certain things for him. Titus was a, a younger man in the ministry. And uh, he traveled with Paul and did some different things. In, in 2 Corinthians, he refers to him in uh, chapter number 8, and he says, But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So Titus had a heart for the church at Corinth, the, the people that were there. And Paul acknowledges that for us to have a heart for the church and for believers, that heart comes from the Lord. And so he had this heart from the Lord, and it, it, it moved him to do what it, what it says in verse 17. For indeed, he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. So obviously, with these letters that were written, you know, and, and uh, there were other letters that would be written from the church to Paul, you know, somebody had to carry these letters back and forth. Whenever you read uh, these letters that were written by Paul, you often see, you know, it's delivered by this person, and you'll know uh, this, you know, Timothy delivered this letter, or some others had delivered some different letters. They would have people going back and forth, and so apparently Paul had uh, appointed a few individuals to go take this letter and take it over uh, to the church at Corinth, and and. Titus was not a part of that group, but Titus was like, hey, can I go with you guys? I want to go with you guys. I want to be there, and I, I want to be a part of this because he cared for those people. He had appointed himself. He volunteered himself. The word that is used here in 1 Corinthians is the word addicted, that he or they addicted themselves. Now, we would probably not really use the word addicted because it's it's like a bad connotation, right? You get addicted to bad things, right? You get addicted to, you know, drugs. You get addicted to different things. But here in this passage, it's used to describe them being addicted not to a bad thing, but to a good thing. They were addicted to the ministry. And I think that that word in many ways describes the way that somebody who 
really wants to serve God how it looks from the outside. That they were addicted to ministry, that they, they, they couldn't help themselves but get involved in some way, that they, they couldn't stop thinking about it. Even when they were supposed to be doing other things, all they could think about was the ministry and, and what could be done, and they can't wait to get back and, and be involved in the ministry. The house of Stephanus was addicted to the ministry. They just couldn't help themselves but to be involved, but to do something, to try to do something. Another word that we might use is the word obsessed. They were obsessed with the ministry. They were obsessed with the Lord. They were obsessed with the teaching of the word of God. They were obsessed with the people of God. They were obsessed with just trying to help and encourage them. They, they couldn't stop thinking about them. And Oh, maybe this person could use some help and how they could encourage somebody else and, and be involved in ministry. That they were obsessed with the ministry. You know, people get obsessed over everything these days. You know, people get obsessed with sports, right? Can't you see it? You just drive around and people got the little flags in their windows and the decals in the backs of their cars. And, and uh, as soon as service is over, they're, you know, checking the sports, seeing if their football team won. And, and uh, you know, they get the notifications on their phone. They're always thinking about, oh, you know, there's a game coming up and they talk about the game. And then, you know, what do you think is going to happen? And wasn't that a great game? Did you watch this thing? And they get obsessed over sports. They get obsessed over, you know, TV shows. You know, we've, I'm sure every one of us has either done it or heard about people who are binge watching watching these shows, right? You know, you watch a show and then, you know, you know you should stop, but it's just so intriguing. And so you watch the second show and you know it's getting late, but you're like, okay, all right, it's getting late, but you know what? I just really have to know. And so the third show, and before you know it, it's three in the morning, four in the morning, and you got to get up at five in the morning. And you're like, oh no, do I even go to sleep? All right, I'm just going to finish the show and I'm going to go to work. You know, people get obsessed with their TV shows. They get obsessed with music. They get obsessed over the latest fashion and what's trending. And they get obsessed over politics and what's going on in the White House, some new policy, some new bill. What is this politician doing? And what did that person say? And and then you get reaction videos. People react to what other people did. And then you get reaction videos to reaction videos of what people did. And then you, get, you go down this rabbit trail of you know, video after video after video and people talking about it. People get obsessed with their cars. People get obsessed with the stock market. Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Inflation and this policy is going to change. And then what about this? And, you know, uh, all, all of these different sorts of things. People get obsessed with getting rich, getting into their dream college. People get obsessed over their boyfriend or girlfriend. They get obsessed over all the different things in the world. But we as Christians have to ask ourselves, what's so wrong with being a, a addicted or obsessed with the things of God? Why is it okay for us to be obsessed with sports and think about sports and, oh, my football team's playing today. Oh, there's a, you know, a baseball team, my basketball team, and talking about players and trades and, and who's doing well and what they need to do. And the coach made a mistake. He should have done this and all of these different sorts of things. But how come we can't get obsessed over the things of God? What about the ministry? What about the people of God? Hey, when was the last time that you just couldn't get your church out of your mind, that you were obsessed with the church just as much as you were obsessed with building your career, just as much as you were obsessed with uh, getting a lot of money, just as you were obsessed with retiring, and just as much as you were obsessed with your next big vacation, and just as much as you were obsessed with your favorite sports team? When was the last time that we were obsessed with the things of God? 
hey, if we're going to work together, we've got to have a similar mindset. And that was the mindset of the house of Stephanus. That was the mindset of Paul the Apostle. That was the mindset of Titus, as we saw. That was the mindset of so many people in the scriptures that they were able to work together because they had that addiction or obsession with the things of God. They couldn't just leave the things of God on Sunday morning. They couldn't stop thinking about it. They would go home and think about it. They would go uh, wake up on Monday morning and think about it. They would be at work thinking about it. You know, in the Bible, you have Paul and uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and they, they all had the same job. They were tent makers. And so for a while, they were working together. And what do you think it was that Paul and Priscilla and Aquila were talking about as they were making their tents? Were they thinking about the new latest tent technology and how it was going to help their business? You think that's what they were talking about? I don't think so. Not that there would be new tent technology, right? But you know what I'm saying is they would have been talking about the ministry. They would have been talking about, oh, you know what? There was a soul that I met the other day, you know, pray for this person and things like that. One uh, authored in describing uh, uh, Paul and, and uh, people like the household of Stephanus said the apostle himself was addicted to the Lord's work and strongly encouraged all believers to be like him. Paul did the Lord's work habitually out of a powerful driving compulsion. The more he ministered, the more he felt compelled to minister. His tolerance for godly work caused him to never be satisfied with what he was doing, much less with what he had done. He became dependent on the Lord's work in order to function. He could not live normally if he were not engaged in some needed service for his Lord, for the Lord's people, or for the unsaved. See, this is the mindset of Paul the Apostle. That was the mindset of other believers that were there in the early church. And if, if we're going to have synergy, if we're going to work together, that has to be our mindset. And you and I and all of us have to get on that same page. That has to be our heart and our mentality if we're going to have synergy here. So if we're going to have synergy, we have that same mindset, well, we also need to see that we need to have the same ministry. See, in our church, we have a lot of different ministries, right? We think about, if I were to ask you, name some ministries here of the church, we could probably go off and name a lot of different things. We could think about the kids' ministry, right? Right now, uh, there's Mrs. Brooks and Joyce in the kids' classroom, teaching the kids' class, involved in the kids' ministry. And I'm so thankful for Mrs. Brooks and for Joyce and, and the work that they do. Last week, we had the kids' presentation. They did great. And uh, that was, you know, because of Mrs. Brooks leading that class, putting a lot of time and effort into that. And, uh, you know, just even on a weekly basis, just teaching the kids the Word of God and just putting it down at a level that's simple for them to understand, being able to answer the kinds of questions that they have at their ages. It's a wonderful ministry. So we have the kids' ministry. You know, we might think about the nursery ministry, right? We have Lydia who's in charge of the nursery ministry, and I appreciate her uh, leading that ministry. I appreciate everybody involved in the nursery ministry, taking time to watch other people's kids so that people might sit here in the auditorium, hear the word of God, not have to worry about, is my kid going to be okay? They're going to be okay. They're in a safe place. People, loving people are taking care of them. So I could just sit and worship the Lord in song, hear the word of God, maybe spend a few moments just trying to minister to somebody else. We have the uh, uh, nursery ministry. We have the youth ministry, right? Brother Robbie 
is leading that youth ministry. They had a Christmas party yesterday, and it looked like they were having a lot of fun, and appreciate all the time and effort that he puts into, you know, getting everything ready, planning everything, having the teenagers over, and uh, doing all of these things. He does a great job. He's planning on the uh, the winter camp that will be coming up in a couple of weeks. I know that's a lot of work, and I know Darren's helping there, just you know, trying to get everything organized, get everybody signed up, have all their paperwork in, planning out the games, the messages, the themes, what are they going to do, all of that sort of things. It's a lot of work, and it's a great help uh, to the families. I appreciate Brother Robbie and the ministry that is there. We could just go down the line. We have Life Connection, Adult Ministries. We have the Preaching ministry. I know usually you don't think of the preaching as being a ministry because I'm usually the one doing it, but we have a preaching ministry here. Other people also have preached here as well. Uh, we have the finance ministry, ushering, greeting. We have the Korean ministry. We have the Spanish ministry. We have all sorts of different ministries that are here, but really if we're going to have synergy, we all need to think of ourselves as serving in the same ministry. Because in reality, no matter what ministry you're a part of, you're serving in the same ministry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 9 says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The word ministry means to serve. So they had the service or ministry of serving God. And really, that's what every ministry is. Every ministry is a ministry of serving God. And every one of us needs to think of ourselves as serving the Lord, because that's really what we are. Everything that we do here in the church, and even things that we do outside of the church, should be done with the heart and idea and goal of serving God. Colossians chapter 3 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So Paul is trying to help these believers to instill in them everything that you do is in service to God. When you go to work, that's in service to God. When you spend time with your husband or wife, that's in service to God. When you raise up your kids, that's in service to God. When you're here at church, that's in service to God. So no matter whether you're the preacher, you're the teacher, you're a lay person, you volunteer here or there, we are all to serve God. We are all to be in that ministry. But when it comes to working together, I think that even in a, a, a greater sense, we all need to be a part of the same ministry because really every ministry is the same ministry, right? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians. I, I mentioned this earlier. So you could turn a couple books over to the book of, uh, uh, of Philippians. And uh, in chapter number two, we're going to read about Epaphroditus and his heart in ministry. So Aphroditus was apparently a leader in the church of Philippi. He had taken a gift to the Apostle Paul and was returning with this letter. He was faithful, he was trusted, and uh, obviously a great servant of the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse number 25, it says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow servant, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. 
So Epaphroditus is somebody that had come and was ministering and helping the Apostle Paul. In verse number 29, it says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. So, here's the situation. And you need to be aware that when the church at Philippi collected an offering to give a gift to Paul the Apostle, they were not wealthy individuals. When you read about this church in other places, you know they were not wealthy, that they gave above and beyond their ability and they gave more than Paul saw the gift and he knew that it came from the church of Philippi. He said, I know these people. They shouldn't be able to give a gift this large to me. And yet they did. But when it says to supply your lack of service to me, I don't think he's saying that, oh, you guys didn't do enough for me. That, that was never Paul's heart. Paul's heart, when you read all of these letters, was never the, of, of the idea of, hey, you guys aren't doing enough for me. He, he, he never had that heart. I believe what he's saying is, you guys did everything that you could, and yet there was still a part missing. I mean, if you follow the life of Paul, you'll know he was always short on supplies. He's always short on money, always short on equipment, always short on servants and people who could help in the ministry. So even though they were giving as much as they could, there was still something lacking. And Epaphroditus being there, seeing the lack that was there in Paul's life and ministry decided, you know what, there's a gap that is here and I'm just going to put it upon myself to fill that gap. Whatever it is that Paul needs that he's not having enough of, I'm going to fill that gap. And when we think about all the different ministries here in the church and the ministries that you might think about being a part of and all of that, every ministry is a gap-filling ministry. Because every church has gaps, right? Every church has needs. And every ministry that we have is really just a ministry of filling in the gap. There's something that needs to be done. Hey, let's go fill in that gap. We have a need here. You know, some of the basics that you might think about is, hey, we need somebody here to teach and preach the word of God, right? So somebody has to come and think about, you know what, we need somebody to open up the Word of God, read the Word of God, teach the Word of God. Somebody has to do it. Now, in, in our church's case, in this ministry, it's usually me. There are other people that have filled in the pulpit and, and things like that, but usually it's me. But every ministry is, hey, we have a need. Hey, why don't we, why, why don't we have somebody just step up and fill in that need? right? So we have a, a kid's class, a nursery class, right? Why don't we just have every single person in our entire church here in the auditorium? We could do that in every single service, and some churches might even do that. But here at our church, we think, you know, what would be great is, you know, if parents have like a newborn or they have somebody very young, it's a little difficult for them to pay attention. Maybe it could be a little bit of a distraction. So, you know, what would be help, helpful is if somebody would volunteer themselves and minister and serve and say, hey, you know what, I'll take care of your child for you so that you could be involved in a ministry so that you could freely hear the word of God. We have a kid's ministry. You know, we have the kids here on Sunday nights. 
we have our evening service, and we have the kids in here, right? So all the kids are, are in here in the service. And, uh, I, you know, we have sermon notes. We give them printed out pages to try to get them to, you know. And uh, it's, you know, I, I collected the notes at the end of every service, and I give them these little coins. And they collect these coins, and every once in a while they, um, they turn them in. They, they pay. They buy things at the marketplace that we have. We have this little marketplace. And uh, so we do that every single Sunday night. And so we would collect the, uh, the notes. And I remember, you know, I would get the notes, and the notes sometimes would just be the things that they would see on the screen, right? They would just copy whatever was on the screen, and they, they saw, they would just copy it down. And I would ask them, hey, what do you remember from the message tonight? And they would look at me and like, what? <laughs> I was supposed to remember something? Um, I, I don't know, you know? And, and so, I, you know, I begin to realize that, you know, they're sitting here in the service, but they don't always understand everything that we're talking about, you know? We're just going through the Bible, and sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Usually the older kids, they get it, they understand, they pick up on something, but there's a need for the ministry. There's a gap there, so that's why we have a kid's ministry. All of the different ministries, the ushering ministry, the Life Connection Leader ministry, the greeting ministry, ushering ministry. Uh, Brother Darren helps out in the parking lot. We have a parking lot ministry. Okay, we have all these different ministries just to fill in each of the gaps. And really, if we're going to have a synergy working together, every one of us needs to have the mentality of, I want to just fill in the gap. There's a need here, and I want to fill in the gap. I'm not just going to criticize, because it's easy to point out the gaps, right? We can all see the gaps right? You know, when you're driving down the road and there's a big pothole, everybody can see the pothole. Everybody complains about the pothole. Who's going to fill in the pothole though, right? That's the question. And for us as uh, Christians and believers, yeah, we can point out all the potholes in the ministry. We can point out all the lack and the deficiencies and how this could have been done better and that could have been done better and somebody needs to do this and somebody should be doing that. But if we're going to have synergy and we're together, then our heart needs to be, I'm going to fill in that gap. I want to be somebody to fill in the gaps over here. Now, everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different abilities, but that's the heart and mentality of ministry, filling in the gap. When I was in Bible college, the pastor would always be saying, see the need, take the lead, right? See the need, take the lead. You know, some people have the heart and attitude, I will see the need and I will tell the pastor to go take care of that need, right? So people come up to me and they always tell me, hey, this is something that's wrong. This is something that needs to be done. This is something that needs to be done. This needs to be changed and this needs to be fixed. And, and sometimes I feel like telling them, okay, go fix it then, <laughs> right? Don't tell me about it. Go fill it in. Go step up and take care of the gap that is there because I'm one person. I can't fill in every gap here because I'm just one person and I try to do all that I can. But if we're going to work together for us as a church, every one of us just coming to the church, having the heart and attitude of, I want to fill in the gap. I want to do something. Hey, our church has a need here. I want to be a part of that. And so that's the heart of Paul. That was the heart of Epaphroditus. That was the heart of many that were there in the church working together. So they had that same heart and mentality. They were obsessed with the ministry, just looking to fill in every single gap, which leads us to the third 
commonality of people who can work together, which is the same mission. Philippians chapter 4. You're there in Philippians chapter 2. Two chapters over. Chapter number 4. says this. In verse number 1, it says, Therefore, my dear uh, brethren, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Verse number 2 says, I beseech ye, Odeus, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. So here is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and obviously, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he needed to address something. There were two ladies in the church that, for whatever reason, didn't get along. They didn't get along, and everybody knew that they didn't get along. Okay? We don't know what, what they disagreed on, what the problem was. We're not told what it was. But whatever it was, they all knew what it was. And when it was read in the church, they all knew, right? Paul said it, and everybody's thinking, yeah, I, I know exactly what he's talking about, right? And Paul urges them to have the same mind in the Lord. The Lord's mindset was to seek and to save. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That was his mentality. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the mind of the Lord, that he made himself of no reputation, that he thought about the things of others. That was his mentality. That was Paul's mentality. And apparently these two did not see eye to eye on that. And Paul urges them to have the same mind in the Lord, to be united together. There's a number of different passages. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Colossians chapter 3, and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Philippians chapter 2, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So here are two individuals that are disputing in the church. And just to be honest, it's not uncommon have disputes in the church where one individual doesn't get along with another individual. That's not uncommon. It's not uncommon to have one group over here that just doesn't do anything with that group over there. It's not uncommon to find these sorts of things. But just because it's common doesn't mean it's okay. Just because there are often disputes in the church there are schisms and divisions and conflicts in the church. Doesn't mean that it's okay. It's not okay. Now, how do we get on the same page then? Right? If you and I, and all of us, or you and another brother or sister here, are different, you have a different perspective, you have a different mentality, you have a different upbringing, maybe you have a different idea of what ministry looks like you have all differences and for whatever reason ends up you know in conflict with another how do we avoid that conflict right first of all we need to be in the lord that of course is supremely important but i think in some of the passages here it makes it very clear what exactly keeps us focused so that we could work together and it's having the same mission. We've got to have the same mission. You and I need to have the same mission. 
Because if you have a different mission from me, we're not going to be able to work together, right? If you're going in one direction and I'm going in a different direction, we can't be going in the same direction, right? You and I have to have the same mindset and have the same mission. What is our mission, though? Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Live your life according to the gospel. That uh, Live a life that matches the message of the gospel. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, you and I have a mission. And maybe in your mind, you have one mission and somebody else might have a different mission. But the mission of the church as given by God is the gospel. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's what we revolve all these ministries around, right? We have a kids ministry. The kids ministry, Mrs. Brooks teaches the word of God so that those little kids, whether they're saved or not, if they're not saved, so that they would understand the things of God so that they could see that they are a sinner, that they are in need of a savior, that Jesus Christ is that savior, and putting their trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to save them from their sins. And that, you know, having that ministry over there, nursery ministry, some other ministries, allows all of us who maybe are adults, we have some teenagers here as well, to hear the word of God so that they could come to the same realization. If you are a, a lost, you are a sinner, the wages of sin is death, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's our mission. Acts chapter 1. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That is our mission. If you want to know what we as a church should be doing it can be summarized in that verse. We receive the power from God and we go out into the world witnessing in the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our mission. Our mission revolves around God. We are your servants. We want to glorify you. What do you want us to do? And God gave it to us. All right. You live in holiness and obedience to me. I will fill you with the power through the Holy Spirit, so that you might be witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored, in vain. You know what Paul is telling the church here? He's telling them, hey, your murmurings and disputings are bringing blame to the church. It's hurting the church. It's hurting the gospel message. It's harming 
the message. It's dimming the light of the gospel. So let's stop it. Let's put the conflicts aside. Let's stay focused on our mission so that people could be saved. Sometimes you see in sports, a lot of times, bad teams have a lot of division. This guy wants to do this thing. This guy wants the ball more, but this guy wants the ball more too. And, and, and this guy thinks, oh, the coach is, has the wrong idea. We need to do it this way. But this player thinks we should do it this way. And, and this person wants to be in control. And, and I, I should have more minutes. And I, I want to play in this sort of system. All sorts of, bad teams have people with all sorts of different ideas. Good teams have everybody on the same mission. All right? We're going to win a championship. We're going to win this game. This is how we're going to do it. And sometimes people have different ideas. But if we're going to work together and accomplish our mission, we're, we've got to get on the same page. A good way for us to stay on mission is to look at the scoreboard and to look at what, what, what God has told us to look at. John chapter 4. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. See, God is telling us the mission is in front of us. There are people who are lost, that are people that are dying, that are in need of Christ. And if we forget that mission, guess what? We are going to start complaining. We are going to start getting divided because we're not going in the same direction. If we're forgetting our mission, we're going to begin fighting with each other. And you know, the devil would love nothing more than to see the church fighting with itself. That's what the devil wants to see. The devil wants to see one group here in the church and a different group in the same church. He loves that. He loves it when one group only hangs out with one group and they don't really fellowship with this other group. He loves that kind of division. You know why? Because it keeps people from the same mission. Because if we're on the same mission, we're all together. We're coming together. We're encouraging each other. We're telling each other, hey, let's stay on mission. Hey, let's keep uh, uh, being a light and witnessing and telling others. And let's just be honest. If we're going to stay on the same mission, working together, it's going to take sacrifice. Somebody is going to have to give up their idea. Somebody's going to have to just lay aside what they want for the sake of the mission. It's going to take all of us. Right? I've heard about athletes that were starters on, on their teams, and then a new coach comes in and says, hey, you know what, just to be honest, if we're going to win a championship, I can't have you start. You need, to, you need to come off the bench. And you know what? They came off the bench, and guess what? They won a championship the very next year. And the player would come back at the coach and say, hey, if we didn't win a championship, I'm coming back at you. Because <laughs> you told me if I step down, we're going to win a championship. I'm glad we won a championship. And they did win a championship. He had to take the sacrifice. He did take the sacrifice. And they found some great success. The mission of the church is worth our sacrifice, right? Our sacrifice to say, you know what? I'll let somebody else have their way. It's worth it to see somebody to be saved, amen? amen. To see somebody to hear the gospel. To see a church that says, whoa, hey, you know what? The Bible must be real. These people actually live the Bible. Hey, look at these people. They're so different. They all think so differently. They come from all different places. They all have different backgrounds, and they're so different from each other. And yet, look at the unity that is there because they are saved, they are serving the Lord, they are growing in holiness, and they're staying on mission. 
And so if we're going to work together, you and I need to have at the core that mission. That everything we do is in service to the Lord, but also in revolving around what God has kind of summarized as our mission, the gospel, reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's what all of these things are doing. We want to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ so that they won't quit, so that they'll continue living for God, so that they'll be a witness to other people in the ministry, in, in different places, to their family, so that they won't quit and just say, you know what, my dad's never going to get saved. My husband's never going to get saved. My friend's never going to get saved. Hey, keep on being faithful. Hey, that's why we need encouragement. It's not easy to continue to witness witness and to witness give them christmas cards you know invite them over have these conversations spending time with them and so the admonition of the church uh, of the lord to our church is let's work together for the mission and that requires us just thinking about ministry you know if there's a gap here I'm just willing to fill in that gap with that mindset of you know what i'm a servant of god and i want to be obsessed with the ministry and if we do all of these things, guess what? There's going to be some great synergy here. We're really going to be able to work together. And that's what God wants here at our church.